Welcome to the Esoteric Buffet Podcast, where we talk about all things strange and unusual. If it's geeky or freaky, then we'll talk about it. This is episode number four. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can check us out online at esotericbuffet.blogspot.com. You can check out my personal artwork at jobadon.blogspot.com. That's J-O-E-B-A-D-O-N. .blogspot.com. You can also check out my personal music at thebandthatwouldndie.bandcamp.com. On this episode, I'll talk with artist, cartoonist, animator, director, musician, J.B. Sapienza, about his experiences with the meditation technique called The Matrix. We'll also talk about J.B.'s music, His movie, My Name is Jonah, which he co-directed with Phil Healy, which you can listen to that interview on episode number one. Um, We'll also have uh, weird news. We're going to have some Bigfoot news. We'll also have music from The Residents, Daniel Johnston, Sax Ruins, uh, my band, the band that wouldn't die, and Susan McDermott. But first up is Radio Esoterica. The first song we're going to spin is the song Breath and Width by the band The Residents. Enjoy. Let's <laughs> go. 
dance. Breath and length and breath. I took my lucky break and I broke it in two. Put on the worried shoe. My worried shoe.
just heard the song Worried Shoes by Daniel Johnston. Next up, we're going to listen to the Sax Ruins with their song, uh, ooh, let me try to pronounce that, Zojmo. Enjoy.
You just heard the song The Voice of Many Waters, Sweet, by my band, the band that wouldn't die. So that's it for Radio Esoterica. Next up is Weird News. This first piece of weird news comes from Ozzy.com. The headline reads, Punk Rockers Seek Bigfoot. Randy Rose, frontman of the enigmatic San Francisco-based avant-punk performance group The Residents, is organizing a major expedition to track down the elusive creature Bigfoot. Driven by more than mere scientific curiosity, Rose is actually seeking vengeance against the three-toed Bigfoot who, who killed his dog in Louisiana some 50 years ago. Whether or not he finds the very same Bigfoot seems immaterial. He just wants to bag a Bigfoot, and he's recru recruiting a stalwart team of Bigfoot, Bigfoot experts and crack shots. Uh, most of them seem to be just young, hot women to assist him. Given Bigfoot has a reputation for being a wily character, and one who's evaded capture for nearly a century, I asked Rose about his planned strategy, and he said, He'll probably, we'll probably just blow the F out of him. I mean it. It would be good to take back an, an, take him back alive and all, but I'm not taking any chances here. After all, Bigfoot ate my dog Sniffy. So this is pretty personal for me. So you can check that full interview out at Aussie.com. You look up Punk Rocker Seeks Bigfoot. Pretty interesting. This next piece of weird news comes from Citizens-Times.com. The headline reads, Taurus claims Bigfoot sighting in Henderson County in new video. This comes from Hendersonville in North Carolina, a Boone man vacationing in Henderson County says he spotted and videotaped what he believes to be a Bigfoot. You'll have to be the judge on this one. Eric Walters just asked the viewers to keep an open mind. Either there's a Sasquatch out there or someone is trying to play a practical joke, says Walters, uh, who is walking his dog Zippy interesting dog name, on Thursday morning where he spotted the creature. Walter said he is renting a cabin on Buck Forest Road with his wife and another couple, and he shot the video on his phone. An official with the Asheville Vacation Rental Company, however, said Friday that the video was shot at a rental, at a rental cabin at 41 Gold Anchor Lane off North Carolina, 9 south of Black Mountain, not in Henderson County. Uh, Gay Weber, a chief marketing officer with Carolina Mornings Incorporated, said the company's rental sign is clearly visible in the video. Weber also said he's familiar with the site because he's been there. I'm flattered that even a Bigfoot knows that Carolina Mornings is the that Carolina Mornings is the best vacation rental company in the western North Carolina. Weber joked Friday. He said the company has been getting a lot of questions from people who watch the video. 
and saw the rental sign. My inbox is blowing up, Weber said. He said, I've never seen a Bigfoot on Golden Acre Lane, but, quote-unquote, it is a great cabin in a beautiful location. Walters, however, could not be reached for comment about Weber's assertion. So, I watched the video, and it is kind of unsettling. It definitely looks like a bipedal gorilla-type creature. So, go to um, citizens-times.com and look it up and tell me what you think. You can write to me at sunburnt, S-O-N-B-U-R-N-T, 77, at gmail.com. Alright, next up, we'll be talking with artist, cartoonist, animator, director, musician, J.B. Sapienza about his experiences with the meditation technique called The Matrix. We'll also talk about J.B.'s music, about his movie My Name is Jonah that he co-directed with Phil Healy, who I interviewed way back in episode number four, so you can listen to that one as well. Uh, so let's listen to my conversation with J.B. Enjoy. All right, guys. Well, welcome. Uh, tonight's guest I have with me is artist, cartoonist, animator, musician, filmmaker by the name of J.B. Sapienza, and I might also call him a good friend. Welcome, J.B. Uh, yeah, just let me know when we're recording. <laughs> You're retarded. What is what is JB? No, I can't. Maybe I can't ask what JB stands for. Can I? Oh, so we're doing this. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, uh, my first name is Jonathan, and my middle name is actually the letter B. Um, what? It doesn't stand for anything. Nice. Yeah. So, um, much like Harry S. Truman, who I did a report on in, in the third grade, the S is doesn't stand for anything. Uh, I have a I have a twin brother. And his middle name is the letter A. When when twins are born uh, and they don't have names picked out for them already, right? In some hospitals they're marked one and two, in other hospitals they're marked A and B. So my parents didn't actually know that I was going to be born until 20 minutes before we came out. Wow! Because uh, they just didn't do ultrasounds back then, you know. Right. Um. So I guess I went a few days without a name because I was the second kid and. Maybe it was a week. I don't know. I was. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't really, you know, quote unquote, there. Right. Uh, so they finally settled on Jonathan, and when they realized they needed middle names, they wasted all this time picking my first name. And my dad just said, "Eh, fuck it. A and B is fine." And that's what ended up on our <laughs> birth certificates. Nice. Is that how he recounts the story too? He says, "Oh, fuck it. A and B is fine." He said. Yeah, he said that to me at least once, which is why I tell it that way. Nice. Um, Hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, uh, JB. We've worked Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. We've worked before on um, My Name is Jonah. I did some uh, artwork for the animation sequences, some of the animation sequences. And that's kind of how we hooked up together, actually through the uh, My Name is Jonah comic books. So this will be kind of like a part two. My name is Jonah Part 2, since we also talked about it with Phil Healy. But, um, you know, so that'll be cool. We get to yeah, talk and, and about, about the movie some more. Go ahead. Sorry. If your listeners are smart, they will set up both podcasts at the same time, <laughs> uh, preferably on two separate computers just to make it more complicated. <laughs> Absolutely. And they'll listen, to, 
to listen to the same question, you know, like they, you ask Phil a question, you listen to his explanation, and then mine will be, you know, the appendix or the, uh, what's the word, compendium right. to, to his conversation. What we yeah. could do is actually listen to that podcast on this one and then just do like a commentary over that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. Um, nice. But yeah, to to back up, uh, you know what? I'll save it because I, I there was one thing, there was one answer that you told Phil, and I was like, that's not like you explained how you got involved with my name is Jonah, and I was like, that's not how it happened. Um, <laughs> so nice. Well, you were very close. You you, you were like almost. You, the structure of your story was accurate. You just had a couple of details mixed up. Well, you're probably a little younger than me, so you've got a better brain. That's all it is. Breaking up. So, you, so tell me, tell me uh, what happened. I want to know. I want to know. So it's very similar to what you told Phil. Uh, the big difference is, I think you told Phil that you emailed the email address on the website um, right. just to be like, hey, I want to get involved. This is awesome. Can you tell me more about it? Um, but what happened was you had become Facebook friends with somebody who either knew Jonah or knew one of us, and uh, you started clicking around on our Facebook page, and that brought you to the website, and you saw all the fan art, and then you just threw a piece of fan art yourself, and you posted it on Facebook and tagged Jonah, and uh. I saw that on Facebook and I was like, Oh, Hey, dude, you should submit, you should submit that to us. You know, we'll put it up on the actual website. I don't think we ever did uh, <laughs> because the, that part of our website started to get tended to less as the production of the movie, uh, post-production of the movie ramped up. Right. Um, but that's what put us in contact. You did this awesome drawing of Jonah riding a unicorn, chopping a serpent in half, I believe. <laughs> yes. Close enough. Yeah. Nice. And and the only reason I know that that's the accurate version of the story, uh, well, I guess this isn't definitive proof, but the web, the email address on the website, still, that's still email address. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't actually say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. It is. It's, it's recorded forever. <laughs> I apologize in advance, and you, anytime you get shitty email Phil just listen to this podcast right this part of the episode and I will say I am sorry Phil <laughs> um but I derailed myself and I don't know what I was just saying <laughs> well, you uh, I don't remember either that's okay Good. it was super interesting um yeah you know um you ever you ever anybody ever told you you kind of have a Louis CK kind of thing going on no. <laughs> no. Well, that's good. Um, but that's cool, I guess. I mean, I, re- I really like that guy. <laughs> cool. Well, He's very funny. You had uh, messaged me a few weeks ago, and I had kind of put out uh, feelers on Facebook and just said, hey, guys, if y'all have any weird paranormal experiences or weird experiences, you know, I want to talk about it, high strangeness experiences. And you uh, emailed me and said, hey, I, I'm, uh, I've been doing this thing called The Matrix. And it's this meditation sort of thing. 
and you were going in to do a second one. And yeah. so you said, uh, I want to get on and talk about my experiences, correct? Correct. All of this is true. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me all about that. What is the Matrix? I don't know a lot about it, and what I do know maybe contradicts itself because part of it is made up and part of it is stuff that I learned online. Right. The website is, is super cheesy and, and very uh, non-informative to <laughs> And I don't know if that's on purpose or if they're just a nap. I can't really figure it out. Um, so a lot of what I actually pick up is like uh, about what it actually is. is secondhand and people kind of shitting on it online. Right. Um, so I, I, all I really understand about it is that it's a uh, it's a meditative meditative therapy healing thing above uh, and that's the technical jargon for nice. the actual scientific name if you look it up in your latin dictionary if that's a real thing yeah theme of abonicus theme of thingamabobicus <laughs> yeah thingamabobicus exactly <laughs> um and uh it, 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 it's a forced meditative state that that's the best way i can think to explain it i don't think that they would actually call it that Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that to become a, a practitioner, it costs a good amount of money to go to this seminar that sure. only happens in, in, you know, I mean, they go around the country, but they only hit certain parts of the country and they just kind of do this loop, uh, and train people. Right. And it, I don't know the cost, but it's more than I'd be comfortable spending myself. And Absolutely. there's 10 levels and I, from one of the rants that I write online, apparently when you reach the 10th level, you're called a wizard, uh, which is pretty badass. And I think the person was ranting against them because they felt like it's, it's really a false way to advertise themselves. They're, they're reaching out to a certain type of person who would get off on getting that title of wizard um, and wouldn't mind spending the money, which I don't really see a problem with that personally. If you want to be a wizard, just go be a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't have to spend a dime. Just go be a wizard. Just go be a wizard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's I funny... To, I don't mean to crap on it because I actually enjoyed it. But Sorry, go ahead. Well, um, we've been... Me and my wife have been uh, exploring uh, TM, you know, Transcendental Meditation. Mm. And, and um, you know, to do it, quote-unquote, the proper way is... Re- ridiculously expensive and um you know just with a little bit of research you can find somebody on youtube like explaining it and somebody you know giving it out for free because it's definitely a bit of charlatanism with some of these guys making yeah millions of dollars on on simple techniques you know so um but it's still legitimate uh meditations that you can do it's just a shame that some of these guys are, you know, making a lot of money off of it. But look, if somebody has the money to spend, then I call it just a tax on the rich, really. You know, yeah. kind of like kind of like Andy Warhol, you know, painting these paintings of soup cans. Look, if somebody wants to spend a million dollars, then that's their million dollars to spend. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. 
I'm sorry. I, as you were talking about Andy Warhol, I got an image in my head of the graffiti, uh, the famous graffiti art in New York on the subway trains that was just, you know, a copy of Andy Warhol's right. soup can. And then I saw Ed Kisker's Hip Hop Family Tree comic book, the panel from it, of him drawing that graffiti drawing that was Andy Warhol's soup can. And then I saw... I saw somebody listening to this podcast of you talking about Andy Warhol, and then my and I, I saw the future of myself explaining this whole uh, circle phenomenon that I just did, and sure. everybody got lost in a time paradox. Well, this is why you need to meditate, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> uh, so, so, so keep so going actual, about your experience. Yeah. So the actual matrix uh, thing that I did, I, I my in laws are exploring these um, hippy-dippy stuff, for lack of a better term. Sure. And, and they'd be the first ones to say that, and that, that's what's cool about them. Uh, but they're, they're like Reiki practitioners, and they do sound therapy and essential oils, and friends of theirs do all this stuff as well. And they're, uh, this one woman who is like an actual psychotherapist is learning all these alternative healing techniques, and one of them that she explored is the Matrix. Right. And uh, so so she performed it on us. And what it is, is they touch you in two places. And I know that sounds really creepy. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it's non-invasive touching, you know, and it's consensual. I mean, it's uh, it's allowed. It's And uh, it, she picks two places, like your hip and your shoulder or your neck and your stomach. Now, if you go to the Matrix website, the guy that's doing it, actually puts his hand on, on a nice looking girl's butt, which <laughs> you're just like, come on guy, you know, like that's the one that you're going to put online. Um, nice. I, I get the impulse to do it, but you know, uh, so, so the first time I did it, um, I had been earlier that day, I had been feeling like a, a lot of like pent up anger of something that had happened to me years and years ago that I was still just like, Every time I thought about it, I got pissed off. Right. And one of the benefits of the Matrix is, you know, it, it, you're supposed to pick these things that you want to work on, you know. And so you, the woman asks you to put a vision screen up in your mind and picture the thing that you want to get rid of. And as you're doing that, you close your eyes and you do this breathing technique. And uh, she stands in front of you and there's a spotter behind you. And... Then she finds the two places to touch you, and you kind of, some people rock back and forth. Some people go, you know, stiff as a board. Some people just collapse, and that's why there's a spotter. And some people go do, like, crazy contortionist movements with their body, as if they're actually in the movie The Matrix, but I don't think that's why it's called that. <laughs> and uh, I kind of just started rocking back and forth a little bit, you know, swaying forward and backwards and left and right. And then I, after, I don't know, a minute or two, oh, I'm sorry, she told you to um, to say a mantra to yourself, and I forget what that was, mm-hmm. but I started repeating lyrics from a Beck song. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's always touching my body, she's always selling me watches. That's what snuck into my head. <laughs> and I said that to myself in a loop as I collapsed into this woman's arms, and, and she let me, you know, gently put me down to the ground, but I was stuck in this, like, sit-up position. Because mm-hmm. I think there was a big part of me that, that thought this was all bullshit, and I kind of didn't want 
to be susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know that I was actually fighting it, but that's probably what it was. And, and I kind of just was in this weird contorted spot for like, I don't know, a minute or five minutes, whatever it was. And, uh, and then I finally let go of it and I just lied back. And my in-laws are spiritual people and they practice Reiki. And part of that is like the energy fields in the room. And they, they both said that they felt this like huge wave of release. And the, one of the other women who came over to do the matrix to us started crying. And it was like, uh, but I had my eyes closed. I didn't know any of this was happening. But they all felt this crazy wave of like energy release. Even my wife, who's not into this stuff at all, said that she felt like she was pressed up against the couch. She just couldn't move her arms a little bit, you know? Wow. It's harder to move her arms. Yeah. So this woman... Uh, is standing over me and she's walking around me and she's like the channeler of the matrix. The, the universe talks to her through vibrational frequency. She's a level two practitioner. Right. So you got to imagine how badass a level 10 will become. Right. <laughs> um, and, and the, the universe kind of, kind of tells her certain frequencies to, to hit me with. I don't really understand the, how it works, but I watched it get done to my mother-in-law first. And it looked like, um, you ever read The Wheel of Time? No, I know what you're talking about, but I haven't read it. Totally not worth it then. Um, (laughs) No, no, I can actually quickly explain it. Um, The Wheel of Time is a sewing wheel, and uh, it is is like a loom or whatever. I don't know if that's how you say it or that's actually the one that's a wheel. But it's weaving the pattern of time and space our universe, our life, right? Right. And the wheel of time turns on. It's always going to turn, and there's only so many spokes, and every, between every two spokes is an, is an age. <clears throat> so what once was will always come back around, you know? Sure. As if there were parallel universes, like, living on, or everything is reincarnated, however you want to read it. Right. And the people in, in the wheel of time who are the Jedi, essentially, uh, can see that pattern that the wheel is weaving and they can manipulate it as if they were actually knitting, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what she looked like she was doing. She looked like <laughs> she was actually weaving the air, the vibrational frequencies around my mother-in-law. So picture her dancing around me, uh, doing that, all that stuff. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, I'm on the ground with my eyes closed the whole time. And, that's pretty much all it was for me. At one point she started laughing and she's spinning around and she said to herself, I got to sit down or I'm going to end up in another dimension. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's, that's a weird thing for her to say. And, <laughs> and then, and then she sat down and she asked me if I was with them. And I was like, of course I am, you know, mm-hmm. but it turns out uh, somewhere between 25 and 45 minutes had passed. Wow. Between her sitting down and and me hearing her say it with us, wow. uh, I just completely I was gone and and right. uh, just completely removed from my life. Those twenty five to forty five minutes, no one was timing it, so I, I can't tell you for sure what it was. Right. Um. And once I did wake up, I was actually frozen. Uh, I was like it felt like I was half in my body. I couldn't actually operate my body at all. Uh, I could just use my eyes and my, my mouth, my head basically. 
And uh, that lasted for another 45 minutes. I was just paralyzed to the ground. As, as they, and they explained it, that my essence, my soul, whatever you want to call it, was seeping back in, into me because what the matrix actually does is takes your, your being, your soul, your essence, however you want to call it, and sends it through time and space to okay. parallel universes and to uh, different times. So I traveled back to 2003, and of course I have no way to verify this, okay? Sure. Uh, obviously, I don't. Um, but I traveled back to 2003, and I went first to Parallel Universe 2, and then to Parallel Universe 8. And, and the reason it turns out that she was spinning around is because uh, that, that was me traveling past her. And I went by so fast and so far that she couldn't keep her footing. Right. Um, I, I don't know. And she also saw Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> she saw Captain Marvel as my spirit animal and saw me holding a red pencil. Uh, hmm. So, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about it because I'm not a practitioner. I haven't right. read any of the books. I don't really understand it. I do know that when I woke up, as I kind of came back into my body somewhere before I could fully move, but I could wiggle my fingers and toes, Right. Uh, I had the most beautiful feeling of bliss that I've pretty much ever felt in my entire life. And I yeah. unashamedly, unashamedly wept in front of a room full of people who half of them I didn't know very well at all. And yeah. it didn't matter. Right. Um, it was super, I mean, it was super cool. It, like, it just, it felt like I had traveled the astral plane, you know? I know right. I, I didn't have an actual mental image of what I had, what had happened to me, but I, but it felt like I had actually gone on a journey or whatever. Um, well, the further away I get from it, the harder it is to actually hold on to the feeling of the images. But do you, I well, just realized I was talking for a very long time, and you keep trying to ask me a question. No, no, so, no, it's fine. It's honestly, I've had lots of similar experiences, um, which is interesting. But it, I'll explain that in a second. I want to ask you a couple questions. Do you feel like you had some sort of a healing or forgiveness? Because uh, you said you were kind of like dealing with anger, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like I do. I still I still am angry about certain things, and I can still get angry about certain things. But the thing that I was thinking of that day, when I think about it now, I just say to myself, well, that was stupid. Why was I ever mad about it in the first place? Uh, right. So the placebo effect, you know, uh -huh. am I doing it because I wanted it to work? Or did it actually work? Well, if it works, it doesn't matter, right? If it's placebo or not. I guess that's true. You know what I'm saying? If it works, it works. Yeah, totally. You know, um, well, tell me real quick. Um, I wrote down a couple things. Captain Marvel, does that have any like relevance to you? Uh, well, he's one of my... Uh, I don't need a lot of his stories. Right. But his stories, like I'm a... Old lady. <laughs> um, but I've always been a big fan of him as a character. Right. I, I really like his, his his design. I like his story. I like his, in our universe history, the fact that he was 
made to compete with Superman, and they sued him over it, and they won. And now DC has the rights and uses them as part of their their war. I think all that stuff's awesome. Um, And I had a one of the first times I ever went to a comic book convention um, in Boston. Probably, well, it was probably the fourth time I went. It was 1998 or 99. I bought an oversized Captain Marvel comic book. Mm-hmm. And there, and it was one of my favorite things. Like I read it all the time because the art's just so cool. I think that is that CC Beck. Is that the guy who does Captain Marvel? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, no, he his last name sounds kind of like cigar because he draws a little cigar. Yeah, you, it's funny when it comes to um, Beck. I don't know when it comes to like comic books or movies or any of that stuff like people are like oh you know this director or you know this this writer artist or it or novels or anything i have no idea like <laughs> I, it's so funny because like with cars i'm not a car guy at all but people will be like oh yeah that's a 76 ford chevrolet valiant or something i don't know <laughs> ford chevrolet <laughs> and i'm just lost good name for a band <laughs> yes Ford Chevrolet, yeah, their new album Valiant, right. Um, so what do you, what do you think the red pencil symbolized? Any sort of personal meaning to that? Um, I mean, I am a cartoonist, so right. it's possible that that that's all it means. I, sure, red is no real particular color for me. Right. Uh, I guess I enjoy red. <laughs> So so where do you what do you come away with this? Do you feel like this is something that's legitimately doing something? Would you do it again? Um so I did do it again. Right. And uh I I did just a few weeks ago and it was a very similar experience but much less intense mm-hmm. and uh um, mind ex- le- much less mind expanding, you know, much less mm-hmm. important to my growth as a human being. How, however, you want to say that. Right. Uh, the same, same basic stuff happened. I went down after a little while, and I didn't get knocked out this time. There no time elapsed between me at any time. Right. Uh, but I was paralyzed for just as long. I think I think it was an hour this time. Right. Um, and, and it was really kind of just obnoxious. <laughs> like there was no, uh, yeah, there was just no new information coming in to me. I didn't feel special the way I did last mm-hmm. time. You know, I didn't feel like I actually traveled anywhere. Yeah. So it was kind of a letdown. And I brought my friend uh, John Karen, who was one of the guys that I made a movie with. Right. And um, and my wife did it too. And and I went first because I was the only one who had already done it. So, like my mother and I modeled it for me last time. We all thought it'd be a good idea for me to go first. Uh, and both of them, their their sessions lasted like fifteen minutes tops. I think right. John's was like eight minutes. Um, I don't know what it is about me that I just can't. It just knocks me to the ground, you know. Mm. Um, so, John had this awesome moment 
it felt wicked intense between him and the lady. She, she, he never went down on his back. He stood like almost rigid the whole time, mm-hmm. swayed just a little bit on the balls of his feet. And at one point, she goes, "Open your eyes and, and look at me," which is very rare. And uh, they made eye contact, and they're both really short people, and and uh, <laughs> they made a funny, um, they made a funny visual image. Like she's she's short and kind of round, and he's short and like in really good shape. And they, they had, like you could, I've never said you could cut the tension with a knife in my entire life until that night. Like the tension between wow. the two of them was nuts. There was thunder going off in, in the background and it was completely quiet moments before she said, open your eyes and look at me. And, and the session ended very shortly after that. And, and we all talked about it. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't know who asked, but somebody said, hey, so what, what was going on there? He didn't want to tell us at first, and it turns out the thing that he was thinking in his head the whole time was, if she turns into a demon right now, I'm just going to tackle her. <laughs> I don't think that actually says anything about her. I don't think she's actually a demon. I think she's sure. just, uh, I don't know. But it was it was a funny, tense, weird situation. He well, didn't get anything out of it at all. Nice. Um, yeah. It's interesting, too, what the the experiences that you are relating to me sound almost identical to my experiences in church because Mm. I, um, you know, I got, I came to Jesus quote unquote, probably about 15 years ago. And I was in a super charismatic church. The ones that, you Mm. know, they, it all your all your explained to me. It's like almost identical to what we would do. Like almost every Sunday for a while, um, well, you know, you'd go up to the front and then they would pray for you. You would fall down or you would kneel down and they would wave over you, dance over you. I mean, it was a crazy. Really? Yes. That's exactly what I just said. That's yes. Interesting. Um, okay. They would have prophetic cool. words for you. No. You know, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, I didn't hear what you said. That's all I was asking. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. They would have prophetic words for you. You would, okay. um, they would ask you to, like, if you were dealing with something, to visualize it or uh, put it before the cross, give it to Christ. Um, so it's it's interesting. It's very similar. And I've been noticing. Um, you know, I've been I've been researching transcendental meditation and just watched the movie Dinner with Andre. If you haven't seen that yet, it's awesome. I've never seen that. I, but, should, I should probably watch that. Well, there's a lot of talk about um, spiritual experiences, like in the sense of the New Age spiritual experiences, and it's yeah. all extremely similar. And um, I remember reading about. Like going, uh, guys going to India, and and sitting under like holy men there, and the experiences were almost exactly the same. They would go to each person, breathe on them, or touch them in certain spaces, you know, places, and they would fall down or have start convulsing or you know doing different or you know dancing strangely and things like that. And so I've noticed across the board, it's it's the same experiences. You know, the the difference is that the 
the leadership will interpret it in different ways. Like, yeah. in, you know, instead of, you know, going to a different dimension, you know, we might be going to the third heaven, you know, or, okay. the you know, we might, different. yeah, so it's all the, it's all the jargon is different, but it's yeah. all extremely similar and it all kind of does uh, similar things. And I have noticed too, you know, um, I was I went to Catholic church growing up, and I was like 13 years old. I went to a Catholic retreat, and the, it was like the last night, and the priest told everybody to come up and stand in a line. And, I mean, I was just a kid. I had no idea. We, we went to a Catholic church that was really laid back. You know, it was just a boring Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And so this retreat... I'm standing up there and I'm noticing that people are falling down. Like the priest was coming, anointing with people with holy, holy water and the people were falling down. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. So the priest gets to me, anoints my head with holy water. And I get this feeling. It starts from the top of my head. It goes all the way down to the bottom of my feet. And it's like, like this pulsating energy. And the best I can explain it is it feels like love, like pure love just flowed over me. The next thing I knew, I was on the ground for 20 minutes, you know, half an hour. I got up and it was like I looked around and I couldn't have I couldn't hold a grudge to save my life after that. You know, it was like I looked around. I was in love with everyone in the room, you know, (laughs) And so it's all similar experiences, and it fascinates me how these experiences are the same. Actually, uh, what really blew my mind was uh, with the movie My Dinner with Andre, this guy was talking about how he got together with a whole bunch of actors, and they did um, improvisation. But the improvisation was just being in a room and improving over nothing. There wasn't acting. It was just working off of one another. Whatever somebody was doing, you start kind of working off of them. And so he ends up having this spiritual experience with this girl he doesn't know. They start crying and hugging and falling on the ground. And he has this spiritual experience. And it's in a completely secular, non-spiritual environment. But it's interesting if people get together and begin to chant or sing or focus their energy or attention that something happens spiritually, you know. It's it's weird. Go ahead. No, totally. I mean, you you are a musician as as well. Right. uh, I I can half-assedly play the drums. Uh, I can play the drums well enough to lock into a groove and, and actually just, you know, have a good jam with some people who know how to play. Right. That's it. But that's enough to like, I, and, and I wouldn't have equated it to my Matrix experience before I had it, right. but it's very similar. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I feel my, I'm just sitting there playing the drums, keeping the time and I feel myself float away, you know, and I mm-hmm. can, it's almost like I see the whole room, you know, from up above. Right, um, and you know you can waste eight hours just playing music, and and it's not a waste. I mean, you can spend eight hours playing music, and it's, it's never enough time. Right, 
Yeah, but and it's interesting. You, you get that. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting when you're playing with a group and you get into that one, like, unison oneness. And all of a sudden, you just feel like you're in a river. Just everybody's yeah. going downstream together. Um, yeah, music yeah. is is definitely a. There's a huge spiritual component to music. Uh, go ahead. That's it. <laughs> all right, I thought I you were gonna say. Else to say. <laughs> you know, I've experienced a lot of that in church too, because I started playing with with different bands, and uh, and it's. It's interesting when you take that spiritual setting and you add a band to it and everybody's trying to get through uh, spiritual barriers together. Uh, I mean, it's amazing what happens in that sort of a setting, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely experienced that sort of thing. It's just fascinating, you know, because um, the Matrix, I mean, just the name of it, it just sounds so, like, bullshitty. You know, yep. <laughs> but it's just interesting. If you, it doesn't matter what jargon you put on it. If you just are in a setting where you are focusing your attention, things happen. It's it's weird. So you're going to be doing round three of this. Well, so I have a. I I don't I don't want to get into detail about that. I have sure. a movie that's floating around in the back of my head. Okay. That's about alternate dimensions, and I, I've had it in my head since 2003, and it's just kind of slowly been coming to me. And it's funny that um, she told me that I was sent back to 2003, and and my wow. internal logic tells me that I actually visited myself and gave myself the idea, right? Uh, because I remember exactly where I was, and I was just hanging out with my friends. I mean. I uh, may have been on some substance or another, but <laughs> it, it just came, like the basic idea was just like, oh shit, how, guys, what about this? And I just spitted it all out at them and they liked it. So I wrote it down, you know? Right. Um, so because of that time travel alternate dimension movie that I have in the back of my head, I am very interested in this stuff and I've been doing a lot of research and reading a lot of articles and stuff. And so I feel like I should go do the matrix with a practitioner who doesn't have any personal connections to me whatsoever. Right. And there's, there is one in Boston where I live um, there. It's pretty expensive. So I'm going to try to, you know, be a movie producer on him and get him to <laughs> right. give me a free couple of sessions, you know, and as, and he can be my, one of my consultants or whatever. I'll give him some, crappy title that doesn't actually mean anything whatsoever, but will probably feel nice to get. Right. Um, and, and I'll take a friend with me since I ha I tend to be paralyzed for 45 minutes. I don't really want to put myself in, in a room with a stranger like that. Right. Um, so I, I, out of pure, pure curiosity, I want to do it a third time with a different practitioner, but I'd also be interested in other, you know, I mean, I, I want to do a uh, depth a uh, deprivation tank, you know, experience, mm -hmm. or yes. uh, or actually learn to meditate instead of. I mean, forced meditation is great because I didn't have to do anything; I just had to show up. Right. Um, I got to imagine that actually meditating and getting to that that place is much more rewarding. 
Yes, I have. I don't know. I've worked on, you know, worked with transcendental meditation a little bit. It's not hard. You know, some, mm. it depends on who you talk to. Some people consider it not even real meditation because it's, some people call it, I can't remember, what it, it's something like deep meditation where it's, it can be dangerous. It doesn't seem very dangerous to me, but it's yeah. just, it's just mantra meditation. It's very simple. Um, and, um, yeah, it definitely is. It's definitely rewarding. It's, it's definitely relaxing. You know, um, it is not a visual meditation. So th- that kind of transcendental meditation is just literally sp- completely spacing out, completely emptying your brain. Um, so I think the rewards there are, are relaxation more than anything, more than any kind of healing great. or or forgiveness or life changing experience. More like relaxation, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've, I've had, I've had plenty of experiences, charismatic, um, situations, charismatic church is what, you know, Christianity of, uh, basically are you, are you medi- calling your church. I'm sorry. Are you calling your church charismatic church? Is that like, the that's, official name? The, that's actually a kind of a terminology for the church I used to go to. Um, okay. I go to basically just a non-denominational church now, but it would be equated to charismatic church would be equated to like the holy rollers, the ones that shake and you know oh, okay. yeah, fall yeah. down and that sort of thing. And, you know, and of course the extreme ones would be the snake handlers, um, yep. which are not even ones that you know are are equated usually with the churches that I used to go to. But um, having said all that, there is. <sighs> There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities with with uh, meditation that uh, in prayer that's very similar to meditation, um, new age meditation of this sort, um, and also like you know visual meditation, um, guided imagery, all that sort of stuff. It's all in there. It's just funny. It's just different terms. And if you would yeah. say guided meditation in a charismatic church, you know, they would call you a d- demonically possessed or something. It's, it's much yeah. bullshit. But, uh, anyway, sorry, um, I'm ranting. Um, so we're kind of at the end of that road. Speaking of your filmmaking though, you said you're going to possibly do a film on this sort of thing. You finished up a film about a year ago, year and a half ago, right? Called My Name is yeah. Jonah. Yeah, March 2014. We finished it. We finished it the day, the morning of the premiere. So I was March 27th, 2014. <laughs> I can I can remember y'all were really busting an ass trying to get it finished. Yeah, and and you actually were a, a huge hero uh, to us, which I don't know how how often or at all we've ever said that. But like we had this one without spoiling anything for the people who haven't seen it, we had this one segment of the movie, and it was one of the very first things cut where it used footage from a classic B movie, right? Um, and and it was and it was awesome. I mean, it was one of my favorite things. It was actually one of the I, I did the version that we had had my editing fingerprints all over it, but it was one of the few things that I didn't cut from the beginning that ended up in the movie. Right. And, uh, but I loved it. I loved the sequence, but we had to replace it because of 
licensing, we couldn't get the rights for it. And uh, I think that was two weeks before the premiere. And my co-producer, co-director, Phil, who you interviewed a couple weeks ago, uh, called me or emailed me to be like, okay, that, that's it. We have to, we have to go to plan B. Sorry. You know? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Cause we had pretty much everything. Everything was ready. We were just color correcting it. That was all that was left. Wow. And, and so, yeah, I, I think I walked home from work and I sat down in the grass on, on a, this bike and walking past uh, halfway between work and home and just lied down and kind of had like a really quick, like 10 second, what the fuck am I going to do? What the fuck am I going to do? Panic attack. And, and I, because we live in the modern world while I was feeling that I just took my phone out, went onto Facebook, sent you a message was like, dude, we're in a pickle here. And you said, yeah, send me some storyboards. And you bang that out. I think in like two days, it took me a day and a half to edit it or whatever it was. And it was almost like it wasn't a, ever a problem. <laughs> That's awesome. And and actually, to give you a to give you or us our our animating team a great compliment, John, our other co-producer, uh, he hadn't seen it before that that little bit. He hadn't actually seen it in the movie before the premiere. Right. And he knew where it was coming because he he knows the structure of the film. And he told me afterward that. Um, he was really worried, you know, because he loved the original version of it, and he was watching it during the movie, and he was like, yeah, that's even better. Awesome. So, yeah, it, it worked out great. I mean, if you're not pleasing yourself first, I think you're doing it wrong anyway. So yeah, it was important to me that my co-filmmakers were happy with it too, obviously. Yeah. Well, if, if anyone listening hasn't listened to the Phil Healy episode – uh, Do it tell, now. <laughs> tell me just a, a quick little summation of what my name my name is Jonah is. Ah, um, geez, I'm really really terrible at at this part of the job. Uh, but it's basically a documentary film. It's a portrait of a 57 year old MySpace phenomenon. Right. Um, and he had a huge cult following in Rochester, New York. And he, he spent 30 years creating these rock and roll Christmas cards, which were him dressing up as his favorite comic book and pulp action heroes, uh, Robin Hood, the Punisher, Conan the Barbarian, or his version of Conan, uh, Sinbad, et cetera, et cetera. And he, the costumes were really badass, and, and he'd have, you know, girls in bikinis and, guns with that actually had bullets in them and the safety was off and you know huge swords and cool locations and he gave them out his christmas cards every year and he did that for 30 years and then in 2006 he dumped all of those cards online and that's how he became an internet phenomenon or a myspace phenomenon and that's how we discovered him and the movie is the story of his life basically man he's got to do a uh like a coffee table book or something, right? Yeah. um, So there was plans for some of those pictures to actually come out, uh, but you'll have to watch the movie to find out. All right. Uh, I still haven't seen it. I feel, I feel robbed. (laughs) You know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to having it be available to the actual general public. Nice. The festival run is 
pretty much done at this point. Right. And uh, there's a couple of loose ends to, to tie up and, and then hopefully we can put it out and or at the same time bring it on some sort of a, a college and art house movie theater tour. Um, yeah, so hopefully awesome. you're going to see it one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Cool. Well, and also y'all do comic books with My Name is Jonah, right? We do, yes. Free comic book day once a year, anthology. Yeah, and that can all be on My Name is Jonah's website. What's that website? My Name is com. Sweet. Now let's uh, let's talk uh, about a couple other things. You also have a, a blog that you run called Rejected by Covered. Tell me about that. Uh, so Rejected by Covered is a blog that I co-run with a fellow named Josh Blair. Who Do you know Josh? No, I don't. I'm going to have to friend him. Uh, so Josh, so to, to give you the full uh, backstory, Josh Blair is a cartoonist and comedian. Uh, I think he lives in Kentucky now, maybe Mississippi. He moves. He's moved a couple of times since I've known him. Um, and he used to run a quarterly mini comic anthology called Candy or Medicine. Oh, okay. I actually I've uh, done some stuff for them. So yeah, awesome. cool. Okay. Cool. So you, you, you were in Candy or Medicine as well? Yeah, I was, yeah. Do you know what issue? No. <laughs> okay, that that's fine. Um I have a, I have multiple issues of every of every issue. Like I, I don't know that I was Candy or Medicine's biggest fan. Um but I in the it. in the one year special edition Candy or Medicine like anniversary issue that he put out in the forward, he he called me a cool guy. So I just it's on the record. <laughs> I assure you I am not a cool guy, but it's it's actually <laughs> legitimately on somebody's record that J.B. Sapienza is a cool guy. Nice. So if you get nothing else out of this podcast, then just take the lie that I'm a cool guy and, and live it, learn it, nice. keep it close to your heart. Um, so I met Josh through MySpace and Candy or Medicine in 2007, and I contributed a cover and a bunch of you know, one page gag strips. And I did one back cover for one of his other mini comics. And then in that whole time of collaborating with him on uh, candy or medicine, we also did a comic book with three other. Well, he's, he's also a JB cause he's Josh Blair. Uh, we did a comic with two other JBs. It never came out, <laughs> but the four of us did these jams and, I don't know. We, we just collaborated on a bunch of stuff and I noticed that he had been rejected by this website called covered covered is a really <laughs> awesome blog that invites artists of all stripes, professional and underground and amateur to cover their favorite comic book cover. And if the guy who runs it, uh, Rob Gooden, if, if he likes it, he puts it up on the blog and it gets a lot of, it gets a lot of visits, whatever that's worth in this day and age. It has right. a lot of celebrity um, participants. Uh, you know, uh, Steve Rude is in there. But I'm, well, you already said you don't know guy's name, so I'm not going to bore you. Um, <laughs> well, you can tell it for the general audience. So. Yeah, Steve Rude's the only guy I can think of off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> now cool. that I well, really think had about some, it. Y'all had quite a few celebrity artists. On your blog, though, right? 
Uh, I mean, if if you're talking about my friends, then yes, all of my friends are awesome, and they've all been on my blog. Um, <laughs> so so covered. Josh was rejected by covered. He did this pretty awesome little Nemo in 3D cover, and he posted it to the Canyon Medicine blog and said, hey, I got rejected by Covered, but I thought this came out cool, so I'm putting it here. I had never heard of Covered until that blog post, so I submitted a Fantastic Four number one cover, which, you know, everybody's done that version of Fantastic Four number sure. one. And, and Rob rejected it. And once that happened, Josh and I kind of realized there's probably other people out there who have been <laughs> rejected. I think this was Josh's idea, but I, I, it's been so long I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, but either way, whoever came up with it got the other one. And I emailed Rob Gooden to, to just be like, hey, we're going to do this thing, and we hope you're cool with it because we love your blog, but we've got to imagine other people have been rejected. And he wrote me back a really nice message like, guys, go ahead. This is this is an awesome idea. You know, I'm, I'm glad there's a website out there. And, in fact, uh, for all the people who have been rejected, and, in fact, he – he was our first submission. Nice. He rejected himself and nice. uh, and gave it to us. That's awesome. Well, I yeah, saw. The, I think and, Eric Larson's done a few free all, huh? Yes. Uh, so that again is the magic of Facebook. In this <laughs> right. day and age, you can just reach out to anybody. Right. And one of the criteria of covered is is not my blog, but the original is that you couldn't you couldn't submit or you'd be rejected if you're picture if your drawing had shown up on any other blog right so that's an automatic rejection so eric posts a lot of really awesome stuff to his facebook page and when he does a cover of another cover i usually ask him if i can put it up right under the original bylaws of covered it would have been rejected right um now covered actually became defunct about two maybe three years ago at this point uh, Rob Rob put out his own book by Fanta Graphics called The Curdles, uh, which I haven't read yet, but he's an amazing cartoonist, so I'm sure it's really good. And uh, I think he stopped the cover blog so he could focus on that. Right. And we just kind of continued on, and we you know we don't have anywhere near the traffic or the participants that he had, but it's still chugging along. People still send cool stuff every once in a while. Um, yeah. It's become a, a place for me to just mess around with my cartooning and try out some stuff as well. Yeah, I love it. I, I, every once in a while I go there and just peruse through the images. Cool. And they're super fun. And what is oh, it? That's what's, awesome. what's the website? It's called, uh, you know what? I don't know. Um, but if you just type <laughs> in rejected by covered into Google, it's, it's through Blogspot. Right. So, so rejected right by out. covered. And I'm pretty sure it's the first thing that comes up on Google. Cool. Uh, this podcast brought to you by Google. <laughs> All right. So next thing on the list I wanted to talk to you about is you are a musician. And uh, you That's have true. quite a bit of music on SoundCloud. I didn't know anyone listens. Or, or, or I don't, you didn't admit to listening. I didn't know that anybody even looks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I check it out every every so often. Absolutely. Cool. I, I love it, man. Tell me about your oh, music. Awesome. Like, you. Tell me about, are you putting albums out or what you doing with that? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have so many songs and I have so many 
half started like, Oh, this is going to be this project and all these songs are going to go together. Um, and then I kind of just move on to the next way of putting music together. And I often dip back into the older stuff to sample out of, uh, a right. lot of my music sample based, uh, drum machines and sequencers. And, um, I guess I play a lot of live percussion on there sometimes. Um, and I use my voice to make some weird sounds as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't play guitar. I don't play bass. I have keyboards that I can make noises on. Right. Um, I spent years, years walking around wh- whatever neighborhood I live in, and I just collect sounds. Nice. And I, I, I don't do a very good job cataloging them, so who knows how many of them I'll use, but I've, I've used a bunch over the years. Yeah, I love uh, field recordings. They're so fun. Yes, they are. Yeah, it's it's such like a fascinating concept for me, and uh, like a fascinating kind of genre. It's it's kind of a whole genre of music field recordings. Um, it's just it's some neat stuff. I I uh, I use a lot of stuff from freesound.org. Have you ever heard of that website? Freesound.org. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, they have tons of like beats and and field recordings and just people playing different instruments. Cool. And, I'm going to uh, write that down. Free sound. Uh, I already forgot. Dot org. Yes, that's right. And so, and um, then you can filter it by what the, you know, like what the right copyright is. So there's a lot of people yeah. that give it away completely public domain. So I, I mess cool. around with a lot of those sounds, which is fun. Um, I'll say this to you, but I'll also say it to anybody who, who's actually listening. Um, anything you hear on my SoundCloud page, if you wanted to sample it, that's awesome. Nice. Like the whole reason, uh, I mean, hip hop is, is based on, uh, you know, taking sounds and manipulating them to do new things. So if somebody were to take something that I made and repurpose it in some way, shape or form, I think that's, Amazing. So nice. please feel free to download anything. Awesome. Um, now, I, I use a lot of samples that aren't copyright free. Right. Just be aware of that. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't make any money off of it. But. <laughs> Absolutely. I, th- I totally think that music should be completely open source at this point. Um, I, just, I just think it should be considered an art form like a nice painting, you know, or like an Andy Warhol. You know, this is just... Keep bringing up Andy Warhol. Sorry about that. Yeah, but, uh, the subtitle of this episode. <laughs> That's right. The Andy Warhol tapes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I use an MPC uh, XL2000. Although I think it's actually called the 2000 XL, but in my head, it's an XL2000. I right. use a sequencer. And I use a DR770 from Boss. It's a drum machine. And I have a doctor sample from Boston, SP202. Uh, and I have an SP505 that I use to get samples. And, you know, I use, I still use RCAs to uh, <laughs> pull all the sample, to pull all the sample sources into it. So everything's really dusty and dirty. Right. Um, I don't treat my cables very well. So there's probably a lot of crackle that didn't, doesn't need to be there. But I think that stuff adds a lot of flavor. Absolutely. Uh, and a lot of substance. I'm completely a proponent for lo-fi, you know, so I love that. Yeah. I love the way it sounds and something that is too clean uh, and too polished. 
I never want to listen to, no matter how you know good the music is. Um, so well, I, I I don't agree with that. I think there's a great place for super polished studio music, right. but it's just not what I'm interested in making. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, we have to disagree on this. I'm sorry, JD. I guess we're gonna have to. <laughs> so, what do you actually record on? What software do you use? Um, I use Soundtrack Pro, which is a program that comes with Final Cut Pro. Okay. So it's meant for like film scoring, but it works the exact same way, or within uh, it's a reasonable facsimile of a program like Pro Tools. Right. Um, it's green instead of multicolored. That's like one of the biggest differences. <laughs> nice. Well, you're doing better than me. I'm using GarageBand. Oh, that's cool. You get good, interesting stuff out of GarageBand. I tr- I fucked around with that when I first got. Uh, my newer Mac in 2007, and I liked it, but I didn't. I wasn't picking it up as fast as, as I could do stuff in Pro Tools or Soundtrack, sure. so I yeah. gave up on it. But um, that's my story about that. <laughs> yeah, I use GarageBand <clears throat> and Audacity. I uh, I use Audacity to to reverse things because GarageBand doesn't do reverse, which is ridiculous. Uh, and uh, then pretty much everything else in in GarageBand, basically anything, uh, any software, if you learn it enough, you can you can do some pretty cool stuff with it. You know, yeah, totally. Like um, I use I use GIMP for my drawing. You know, and a lot of you people, do. yeah, huh. and, and a lot of people are like, GIMP sucks. Don't use it. And the, and I think the whole reason is is because it doesn't have a four hundred dollar price tag on it. You know. Yeah, um, I had never heard of GIMP until my Australian ex-roommate moved in with <laughs> us and started using GIMP. And you actually know this guy, Adam Lovett, who right. wrote wrote the stories that you drew for the My Name is Joe Free Comic Book Day. Right. Plug. Um, and Adam's an awesome guy, and and, yeah. and he was he knows a lot about you know computers and software and stuff. And he was just showing me this program, and I had no idea it even existed. I have not messed around with it. Because I have Photoshop, right? And so I don't need it. But yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't even know it existed. So to find out that you make what you you do, what you do on GIMP, I'm I'm gonna take have to take a second look at that. <laughs> I love it, man. I, but you know, I've been using it for six or seven years now. You know, and anything you use that long, you know, you're gonna be able to manipulate it enough to do whatever you want with it. You know, like yeah. there's there's a guy who does uh, like Microsoft paint drawings and I can't remember what he's called, but he like takes requests and then he draws them. If he likes the request, he draws them. Yep. Um, I've seen that. Yeah. John, and, John draws what you want. Yeah, like exactly. Jim, and he does, Jim some, draws what you want. he does some pretty amazing things with Microsoft paint, you know, he does. So oh, yeah. yeah, if you mess around with something long enough, you can get some pretty cool stuff out of it. So um, where can people find your music? So uh, I go by, I've changed my, my handle a couple of times. Uh, right. um, so I, I haven't actually, I don't think I've actually said this. I make instrumental hip hop. I call it uh, paranoid stoner rap. <laughs> nice. And, uh, I used to go by the name Autobot Beat Machine. So there's a bunch of stuff floating around out there. And I had used that name from like 2002 until 
four or five years ago. Um, and now I go by garlic beard. Right. And that's confusing because people read that and hear that as garlic bread, even though it clearly says beard and, and sounds like beard. And I, I totally have always seen garlic bread. I didn't know yeah, it was garlic right. beard. <laughs> it's totally garlic beard. Yep. Nice. Uh, and I did that on purpose. I, I really like the, the opportunity to confuse people and not, and also not make it super easy to figure out where my crap is. Right. Partly I do all this stuff for myself. Like this is probably the most I've talked about making music in, I don't know, weeks, months, (laughs) a year. I don't really ever talk about it with anybody uh, except for the people who I make music with. Right. Um, So garlic, Beard, and then to even confuse it further, for a while I was garlic beard robot arms, which technically <laughs> I think I still am. Um, and for a while after that, I was garlic beard Esquire, and I think I was also JB garlic beard. I did a yeah. song for a Boston rapper named Lex. Uh, he had an album called Just Get It. His, his actual full moniker is Lex Get It On. Nice. And he's an awesome rapper. And I made a song, made a beat that he heard. Uh, we went to Ma- we went to Mass College of Art together. Cool. He was actually the first person to ever rap on the music um, way back. Yeah, I'm on his first record as well. Um, with a song cool. called Piano Music, and uh, that came out in 2002. But I don't know the name of the album, right? Because I never got a copy of it. <laughs> um, so I'm credited as JB Garlicbeard on on his new record. And where you can find my music is on SoundCloud under the name Garlicbeard. That was the cool. very, very, very long way to answer a very simple question. I apologize. <laughs> nice. Now, um, I want to play and, one of your songs for the show. Cool. Um, so do you have anything in mind? Well, um, I was just going to say that there is a collaborative album out there. I totally forgot about it. Right. Uh, you asked if we make if I make albums. Right. I made a record with a guy named Ross LaFond, and the album is called... Uh, what the hell do we call it? Um, it's called Sword Cane Technique. Yeah, Sword Sword Cane Technique, and we and we we're we we're just Garlic Beard and Ross Lafond, and you can find that on Bandcamp. Nice. Yeah, um, you sent me a link to that, and that was some really oh, cool okay. music. Sweet. Yeah, I really um, I really dug it. The the last song on there. Right. Uh, I think would be a cool one for you to play. That's, I don't, I honestly, I think we called it Sweet Riff. Cool. Um, and it's, it's one sample. So, so Ross and I made the music for the, my name is Jonah trailer two that's out there online. And I think you uh, played the audio for it when you interviewed Phil. Right. So, so Ross and I made that music together. It's a drum beat that I, that I had put together and then we both brought a bunch of samples uh, to the table and played some, some additional music on top of it. And obviously the dialogue is from one of the interviews and I added some sound effects. Um, and that's on that album as well. So cool. when we were looking to make that song, that uh, sound, soundtrack for the trailer, we stumbled on this really sweet riff. And we listened to it for a very, very long time. And we were like, man, that's a sweet riff. We just kept saying that to each other. And we saved it, and he emailed it to me. And over the course of 
I mean, we only really worked on it for a few months off and on, but over the course of a couple of years, we emailed it back and forth. Is that true? I think we might have just banged it out over, over three months, but it was a, a couple of years after we first had the idea. Right. And we took turns. Uh, he, he played drums for four bars. I played drums for four bars. He played drums for four bars, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, we took turns adding additional layers and then, you know, critiqued what the other person added until we had something we were both into. And that's, that's, awesome. that's the story of Sweet Riff. You'll never have to actually listen to it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to listen to it right now. So here's Sweet Riff. Dude, that song blew my face off. Where's you know, your face? I can't see it anymore. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever have to listen to another song again. I don't think you can. It probably <laughs> destroyed your eardrums when it ripped your face off. <laughs> nice. Well, my ears are still intact, so I'm cool. I'm cool. Next, we're having conversation. <laughs> well, JB, thank you so much for being on the show. 
Um, if you ever do the water tank experience, I want you to come back on and talk about it. And cool. when you do, when you start working on your new film, I want you to come back on and I want to talk about it with you. Awesome. And uh, can do, sir. So, so last thing, where can people find you online? Do you have a website? I don't. Um, I had a website. I'm not going to bother to tell you what it is because it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Um, it was super awesome, though. And I don't have, like, a Facebook page for me as an artist. I just have a Facebook page for me as a human being. Right. I try really hard not to be friends with people I don't know, but that that's not true at all because um, I'm <laughs> friends with more people that I don't know in real life than right. I am with people I know in real life. Uh, I have a deviant art page under cool. the name JB Inks I N K S. I have a Tumblr under JB Garlic Beard is greater than JB Inks. <laughs> I have a SoundCloud under Garlic Beard, and I have a Vimeo page right. where you can see my video work. I do music videos and animations and experimental films. Uh, and that's just under my name, JB Sapienza. Uh, I also have a YouTube page. It's pretty much a clone of the Vimeo, but there might be a couple of discrepancies if you look back and forth, which I don't imagine you're going to, but just humor me and <laughs> pretend that you're gonna. Right. Nice. And you do like, you do freelance video work and stuff like that. I did for a really long time. And I suppose that I'm still available for right. that stuff. Um, but I, since since working on the since finishing the movie, I haven't done a lot of freelance work. I've made a bunch sure. of projects, but they've been stuff that I just wanted to do for fun. Right. Well, those are the best projects. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Cool, man. Well, thank you so uh, much for coming on, and uh, I will talk to you. We, you know, we'll talk to you I, next. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I had one question for you before oh, we go. Absolutely. Um. Well, it's actually a twofold question. Uh, when you were on, when you had Phil on, right. you uh, mentioned me, and he said my full name, and you said that's how you say that. Right. So you never said how you thought it was pronounced, and, and I'm on pins and needles. I got to know how you thought. My <laughs> well, let me try to remember. Hold on. I think I was saying Spinazia. <laughs> Spinazia, that's awesome. Because um, I wouldn't actually, I'm really bad with reading sometimes, and I'll just see a bunch of letters and just kind of go, oh, that's how you say something. And so uh, yeah. I just looked at it and it was Spinazia. And of course, that's not how it's spelled Spinazia. at all. But <laughs> I mean, the letters are the same. You just kind of jumbled some stuff up. Right. It's cool. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I get it's, bad it's at pronounced exactly. Well, so that's, that was my second question. Is I I know how to say your name in my head, but I think you say it differently than I do. So first of all, you should tra- change that and just say it the way I say it. For it'll be simpler for everybody. So but how, how do, you do you say it? it? I say your name to me is Joe Badon. That's right. Oh, that is right. That's exactly right. Oh shit! High five! Woo! Um, <laughs> yes. I could have sworn I've heard you introduce yourself on one of your many successful Kickstarter videos as Joe Batten. Nope. Nope. That's, it's Badon. So, yeah, oh, Batten is I've a... been mad at you for years for not calling yourself Joe Badon. <laughs> no, I have to, can, you know, uh, uh, 
correct people all the time for that. Most people say Mm. Madden, and it's, I'm like, it's not Madden. It's bad on, bad on, bad on, you know. Bad on, yep. People suck. (laughs) Yeah, people do suck. (laughs) Well, well, thank you so much for for being on the show, and um, thanks, guys, for listening to this to this rambling BS and we'll talk to you next time. That's what it was. (laughs) It was just a bunch of rambling BS. Say goodbye, JB. Goodbye, JB. (laughs) See ya. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can check us out uh, online at esotericbuffet.blogspot.com you can check out my artwork at jobadon.blogspot.com and you can check out my music at thebandthatwouldndie.bandcamp.com I'm going to leave you with a song by Susan McDermott entitled The Roswell Incident. Enjoy.
Still I know what I saw 